CIUT, the sound of your city. Toronto and welcome to Tracks from Abroad on CIUT 89.5 FM. My name is Jesse McDougall. I am coming to you today. This is episode number 78 of our show, Tracks from Abroad, where we speak with students at the University of Toronto with ties abroad. We learn about their music and their culture, and we also welcome on all sorts of different guests, politicians, comedians, teachers, professors, anybody can come on this show to share a little bit about the outside world outside of Canada. So today we're going to be talking about Taiwan, and this links up rather well with Taiwan Fest, which is going on at the Harbour 
Harbor Front Center starting August 25th until the 27th. So it starts this Friday. And the artist that you're hearing right now underneath my voice is uh, going to be playing uh, there on August 26th. This is Dungi Sapor. Uh, Taiwanese-Canadian artists, and we're going to hear lots of different uh, of Canadian-Taiwanese artists coming up on this show, as well as Taiwanese music as well. We've got two interviews. I just want you to hear this beat right here. This is Kaku by Dungi Sapor. Check this out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, you're listening to Tracks from Abroad on CIUT 89.5 FM. Today, we are going to speak first with Simon. Simon is an undergraduate student at the University of Toronto. He's a friend of mine. I met him in Spanish class. And uh, Simon grew up from age 4 until 18 living in Taiwan. We're going to start with Simon on this show. And next up, uh, for the second part of our show, we have an interview with Ross. He is a Tracks from Abroad listener that phoned me up, sent me an email at tracksfromabroad at ciut.fm, as anyone can go ahead and do. And Ross said, you know, I'm married to someone from Taiwan, and I would love to talk about the religion of Taiwan, Taoism. What a fascinating uh, religion that it is in terms of worshiping ancestors, burning money to send to the afterlife, and how superstition can have a profound effect on how we live our daily lives. So we're going to get into that interview in the second part of the show. But first, here is Simon, a student at the University of Toronto, for our first interview on today's show on Tracks from Abroad. I started out by asking Simon about what courses he's taking at UFT. Trying to get into psychology. I was originally in like a social science mix between like econ and political science. Mm -hmm. Sort of interested me, but psychology caught me yeah. uh, more than those two did. Well, nice. Well, how did you get to Taiwan? And tell us about the, your family and how, how they traveled. In the yeah, so I'm not Taiwanese. I don't know if this is being recorded or if it's just audio, but uh, I'm not Taiwanese. One American parent, one Canadian parent, and they're both work, they both work uh, as international school teachers. Um, so they met abroad uh, when they were in Egypt. Um, and then when I was about four years old, uh, we moved to Taiwan. Uh, they got a job at a school there in a city called Kaohsiung. It's uh, the south part of the island, uh, south of Taipei, if you're familiar with that. Mm -hmm. And um, basically, they enjoyed their time there and decided, we'll just stick around. And I went to the same school that they taught at. Um, and then uh, from pretty much uh, kindergarten all through grade until uh, senior year, not living in the capital meant that 99% of the kids in my school were Taiwanese. Mm -hmm. The school was an international school, so it was taught in English. Um, mm -hmm. You learned English unless you were taking a language class. Mm -hmm. And most of the students uh, from my school um, end up studying abroad. Yeah. But the idea is um, get the kids ready for an education in what for them is a foreign place uh, that speaks English. 99% US and then some Canadian, UK, Australia, yeah. things like that. I want to know how much you participated in the Taiwanese culture. And I know that uh, Chinese New Year is coming up in a second now. So like, what, what would Taiwan and the city that you're from look like at that time? Yeah, so Chinese New Year is not too different from like what you'd think of like a Western Christmas um, in terms of the values for it. So it's mostly spent uh, as time to reconnect with family. Um, you get extended family together. That's when the, you get the largest break of the year. Our school would invite uh, performances from other local schools. Uh, so we had the lion dance uh, each year. Um, 
I don't know, for those of you who aren't familiar, there's a China, Chinese zodiac system. So there's 12 animals, I believe, uh, rotating um, through the years. And then each year has a specific animal associated with it. Hmm. Uh, we're coming up on year of the rabbit. Um, and then um, whatever year you're born in, whatever cycle you're born in, you're sort of assigned that animal. So I'm a year of the horse because uh, I was born in uh, late 2002. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, essentially like each uh, each animal would have like specific tra- traits that you'd assign to it, uh, mm-hmm. similar to like... Uh, uh, Western astrology, where depending on the month you were born in, you'd have uh, certain traits um, yeah. assigned to that. Yeah. All right. I wonder what uh, you know. What goes well with the horse if you're going to meet uh, somebody, <laughs> a lifelong partner who's a rabbit or a rat or what have you. Anyway, today we're talking here with Simon. We're talking about Taiwan um, on tracks from abroad, and we're going to play some music, some Taiwanese music. We'll be back with you right in a second.
有多少次波涛汹涌在我心中？你飞向了雪山之巅，我留在你回忆里面。你呈现，我替你留守人间。麻雀也有明天This is Professor Sky from Western New York, USA, and you're listening to Tracks from Abroad on CIUT 89.5.
Welcome back to Tracks from Abroad. My name is Jesse McDougall. Today on the show, we're talking with a UFT student. We got Simon across from me. We're talking, of course, about Taiwan. You just heard some Taiwanese music. And Simon, I want to ask you, this is something that comes up for a lot of international students at the University of Toronto. If they've lived in different places and if their parents are mixed or what have you come from different backgrounds, they occasionally have trouble deciding where they're from and developing a sense of identity. So I want to ask you, uh, as someone who was living in Taiwan, not Taiwanese, how did that feel for you? Yeah, it was interesting because for my living memory, so since I was four, I've basically grown up in Taiwan. So I would consider that place home. Yet, if you look at my passports, um, they would tell you that I'm American and Canadian. Mm-hmm. Whenever someone asked me where I was from, it was a very uh, contentious like point in my head. I'd say, where am I from? I don't know what to give yeah. this answer. Um, and I eventually just settled on mostly just saying like, I'm Canadian. <laughs> That's just sort of what I picked as the response. But I guess the answer is a bit uh, a bit looser mm-hmm. on that. My parents, like their attitudes and like uh, personalities, are very very North American. Both of them grew up in North America. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, I've never actually lived here until I started university. So I guess the extended answer to that question would be, I'm from the U.S. and Canada, but my home is Taiwan. Sure. And were there any values or any practices that um, that you picked up in Taiwan or anything that kind of clashed with your North American side? Uh, I, I can use the uh, the pandemic as a, as a great example. Sure. Um, sort of like transitioning between like the norm of wearing masks versus the norm yeah. of not wearing masks. Is that something that's done a lot? Yeah. Okay. Now the rules are um, you don't have to wear them outdoors and you don't have to wear them to when you're eating in a restaurant or exercising. Um, yet 90% of people still do. Hmm. I don't think it really stems from a, oh, I'm scared of getting sick myself. It's more of like, I'm going to respect others and and protect them. Well, Um, think about that. I mean, even if there was a rule in Canada, a significant portion wouldn't follow it. So the fact that there's there's no uh, concrete rule, but that people follow it, that's very different from Canada. Yeah, it's it's much less individualistic um, in terms of the culture, Um, sort of uh, respecting other people's boundaries and thinking of the greater good rather than just one's self-good is sort of like a a broad theme that you see across um, a lot of aspects of life. Uh, That's just one example. I don't want to sit here and say that they're more considerate than North Americans, but it's just a very, just a different set of values in terms of understanding other people around them and and their needs and not necessarily putting yourself above um, anyone else. Yeah. All right. Well, while you're living in Taiwan, I just want to know about what sort of activities you like to do. You mentioned that you played soccer, but was there anything else that you got into while you were over there? Soccer was the main uh, sport I did. Um, a large portion of social activity, I feel like, in Taiwan revolves around um, the food um, mm, uh, scene. Uh, first of all, it's a lot less expensive than Toronto. Okay. Um, and it's uh, super fresh, super cheap. Um, and it's a very social thing to go out with your friends, eat, enjoy the food. A lot of uh, weekend nights like with friends, just like go out to this restaurant, try new places, um, eat different things. What's your um, favorite dish? The meat um, scene in Taiwan is amazing. Mm. They have really good quality meat. So, uh, Long Bao, uh, which is uh, soup dumplings. Um, they have really good um, soup noodles as well. Beef and pork in Taiwan are amazing. Mm-hmm. Pretty much any good meat restaurant will have really high quality uh, beef and pork. Uh, similar to Korean style barbecue, where you cook the meat in front of you, is pretty popular. Really? Um, so they bring raw meat to the table, um, and then you can uh, season it, um, cook it. A lot of the food that's the way it's prepared and, and um, brought out in kitchens is, is meant to share. So it's less about you sit down with a group of five people. Each person orders their own entree yeah. um, and then eats their own thing. You'd order like 10 different things and then just all, all share them together. Yeah. All right. How would you split that bill if everybody's sharing food? Oh, that's a huge, that's a huge thing. <laughs> that's that's the classic true. family gathering. 
everyone wants to be the person that pays the bill. Ah. It's it all if you ask like the parents and the aunts and the uncles, um, they're all fighting over mm. who pays the bill. Um, it can get uh, it can get pretty heated. I've been in the middle of it, and um, I sort of sit in the corner thinking, sure, whoever, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's not no me. No problem for me. Uh, but everyone <laughs> tries to one up each other on uh, being polite and, and paying for the other. Very funny. Interesting to hear about the different values and practices between North America and Taiwan. Simon, we're going to go on to a music break. Here's some more Taiwanese music right here on Tracks from Abroad.
ผมชื่ออาราฟผมมาจากประเทศไทยและคนกำลังฟัง Tracks from Abroad ทาง CIUT 89.5 FM Welcome back to Tracks from Abroad. My name is Jesse McDougal. You're of course listening to CIUT 89.5 FM, the sound of your city here in Toronto. Right now we're at the University of Toronto speaking with Simon. We're talking today about Taiwan. And Simon, Taiwan is of course very close to China, but it does, many people call itself its own country. I wonder if you can expand and give us a little elaboration as someone who's lived there. What is Taiwan? Yeah, so I'll, I'll first off and preface, I'm very, very biased. So I've never called Taiwan anything except its own country. Mm -hmm. um, and that's how I view it, um, as do a lot of people from Taiwan. As neutral of a response I could give is that um, Taiwan, um, for many years now, um, has been a self, um, 
self-sufficient um, functioning democracy um, with um, regular elections. Um, I believe presidents serve four years there. Um, and of course, on the international scene, uh, that's a bit of a contentious topic because of the one China policy. Um, mainland China, um, at least from a governmental level, uh, still insists that uh, Taiwan is a part of, of China mm-hmm. um, because of uh, China's international influence and their pressure, uh, mostly through um, trade, because so many countries trade with China. Um, Taiwan has, over the years, sadly lost a lot of, not international allies, but countries that officially recognize it as its own country. Hmm. Um, I think there's only a few African countries and a few countries in the South Pacific uh, left that recognize it as a sovereign nation. So Taiwan doesn't have a UN spot. That being said, pretty openly, um, U.S. is is pretty in support of Taiwan as right, its own country. Right, right. But if you look on paper, they're not officially recognized. But again, the lines are so blurry that um, asking any day-to-day citizen, um, they're probably going to say that Taiwan's a country. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just a a big um, political game. Well, one thing that I noticed also is the there's two flags um, that are used to represent this island. One of them is, of course, the recognizable red and blue one of Taiwan. But there's also the, I think, Chinese Taipei flag, which has Olympic rings on it. Why is that? Yeah, so Chinese Taipei the name Chinese Taipei is a name given to Taiwan um, sort of as a unjust compromise. <laughs> so, of course, um, Ta- the Taiwanese government and Taiwanese people were fighting for their own representation at the Olympic Games. Mm-hmm. Um, they want to go under, um, they want to fly their own flag at the Olympic Games. They want to be represented as Taiwan. Uh, the other extreme of that is mainland China doesn't want um, them to have any representation. And then any Taiwanese athlete who competes um, just competes as a Chinese athlete under the Chinese flag. Chinese Taipei was the name that they settled with. And unfortunately, the national flag of Taiwan was not allowed uh, to be um, represented at the Olympics. So it's some uh, flag um, similar to the one that uh, the Russian Federation uses um, following the controversy and the doping scandals when they were banned from the Olympics. They're represented as like the Russian Olympic Committee uh, without instead of the classic Russia flag, they have some version with the Olympic rings on it. It sort of you looks can, you like can look nice... at it as a glass half full, glass half empty kind of thing. Okay. Uh, you don't really get to truly represent your country. You're under a different name and a different flag, but you do get to compete. It's one thing that's it's kind of sad, and it kind of just it's just a very glaring example of the sort of the BS political game that's going on between these two, <laughs> frankly, independent and totally separate and uh, unique countries. <laughs> Yeah, interesting. Very complicated relations there. To tell uh, a quick story here, the only real connection that I had with Taiwan came two summers ago when I was here in Toronto. I was getting really into playing movies outside. I had set up a projector and a screen, and I actually um, was inviting people in the community in the annex to come over and watch some movies. And someone got in touch with me, and they said that they had a friend named Rob Jabaz who... Um, was a movie director, and he had directed this Taiwanese horror movie, and he this this uh, community member asked if I wanted to play it. And it turned out that the horror movie was called The Sadness. And as it turned out, that screening that we did in my backyard was the premiere in North America of this big-budget film. And so that was very interesting that this movie played, but uh, I understand that you have an interest in horror, and you're taking a course in it, too. Yeah, I am taking a horror film course, and horror movies are uh, a big... Uh guilty pleasure of mine even though a lot of them are quite cheesy um but uh i haven't personally seen the sadness but i can tell you that it was very famous and and, and uh well received throughout right. the world it came out in 2021 so i wasn't in taiwan when it came out mm-hmm. uh, but i have multiple friends who've seen it and i've heard nothing but good things and scary things um uh typically um horror films that come from taiwan or any part of east asia 
are pretty scary and pretty gory by uh, North American standards. So if you're weak or squeamish and <laughs> don't like that type of stuff, maybe not. But if you if you're uh, into that type of thing, probably worth a watch. Do you have a sense why the community is so large over there for horror films? And uh, are there any characteristics or qualities that would define, you know, a, an East Asian horror movie? I think a lot of the horror films lean on um, supernatural beliefs. Um, hmm. Supernatural beliefs are a large part of most uh, practiced uh, religions in East Asia. The I've seen maybe four or five different uh, famous uh, East Asian horror films. Um, one Taiwanese one and a couple of Korean, um, Thai and Japanese ones. Um, and all of them have some sort of supernatural element. Um, the Ring, um, the whole grudge universe um, originally started from a Japanese movie. Um, and for anyone in North America that has Netflix, if you'd like to watch uh, uh, a recommendation, Juon, um, J-U-O-N, I spell it on Netflix, follows that universe. And it's pretty, it's pretty freaky. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you for the film recommendation, Simon. We are going to say thank you for coming on the show, talking about Taiwan. We appreciate it. Thanks so much. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me.
listening to Tracks from Abroad on CIUT 89.5 FM. My name's Jesse McDougal. I'm a student. I'm just doing this show. Man, I, I was working on this show and it deleted all of the file, like some of the files I was working on. So forgive me if my voice is like a little tired because it's like the middle of the night and I'm like working on this and stuff. But point is, today is episode number 78. We're talking about Taiwan on the show. And I want to thank Simon for coming on the show, uh, for sharing all kinds of things about the festivals in Taiwan, the types of soup dumplings you can get, and the issue of sovereignty for this island nation, island region. It's Taiwan. It is what it is. But one thing I do want to share is I have a clip from Democracy Now! Uh, I recorded this a little bit ago. Um, and Democracy Now! of course you uh, can hear on CIUT from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Uh, every weekday. And one day I was listening to Democracy Now! This particular conversation came up about Taiwan sovereignty and they had uh, uh, freaking Yale Law Professor Nicholas Bakulin speaking about the issue i think he did a a bit better job than i can uh in my position in my bedroom i don't know nothing so here's nicholas bakulin talking about taiwan so taiwan is really uh, a a huge issue Uh, there is absolutely no doubt that china has the ambition to reclaim taiwan as its own Uh, and it has not put a military uh solution uh off the table that is extremely worrying Now, what is equally worrying is the fact that the U.S. has basically abandoned the terms of the coexistence with China on this issue, which is we will respect some red lines. The U.S., you know, does have an interest in keeping Taiwan uh, free and and avoiding uh, a, a military conflict there. But again, you know, isn't the best way to do that to actually have a thorough and large diplomatic relationship with you know, with disagreements. Having diplomatic relationship with another country doesn't mean you agree with it. The message here that I want to convey really is, yes, the US will and can remain the sole superpower, the number one. China is not going to catch up with the US. It doesn't have the assets, it doesn't have the resources, it doesn't have the global influence, it doesn't even have the innovation uh, of the US. But do you want to keep China in a position where it feels permanently aggrieved and increasingly belligerent. I don't think that serves anyone's interests. So that clip was from Democracy Now! You can hear Democracy Now! 10 a.m. every single weekday on CIUT. And I just wanted to inject a little authority in the political discussion into that conversation again. That was Yale Law professor Nicholas Bakulin talking on Democracy Now! But we have another interview coming up at the end of our show here on Tracks from Abroad. We're going to speak with Ross. Ross is a listener of our show who sent me an email saying, I am married to a 
Taiwanese woman. I've been to Taiwan six different times. I really want to talk on your show about Taiwanese religion, in particular Taoism, which has a, a lot of interesting quirks. He's going to tell us about it right now on Traxim Abroad. You're listening to CIUT 89.5 FM, and I began my interview with Ross by asking him to explain the religion of Taoism. Uh, the predominant religion is Taoism, and Taoism, it's, uh, the symbol is yin and yang, earthly versus heavenly uh, pursuits, or material versus spiritual pursuits, and, 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 and the balance between the two. And, uh, but Taiwan is actually a mixture of three religions, Taoism, uh, Buddhism, and, um, and Confucianism. They don't necessarily compete with one, with one another. They actually complement one another. It's, it's a polytheistic religion. Okay. Much like ancient Greece, ancient Rome, they have, there's a god for everything, a patron god for even the kitchen, uh, the stove, a hmm. stove god that cooks pray to and worship. Uh, the predominant one, though, the one that stands out the most, the one that draws crowds, is the one for the Queen of Heaven, knows, known as Matsu. And she was, a, she was a, apparently a, a fisherman's daughter who died in 1930 trying to save her father. And she became deified. And ever since then, they, they worship Matsu. And uh, there's a journey of devotion that uh, occurs for about eight days that takes place on the island for about eight days in March. Mm-hmm. And pilgrims follow her everywhere. It's a huge draw, so huge, even the president shows up. Uh, and pilgrims, supplicants, they pass under her, her litter. She's carried this, this god or this replica of the god, goddess, sh- sorry, it, it is, is carried on a litter. And pilgrims actually walk under it, those who, who seek salvation. So it seems as though this religion plays a huge role in people's lives, that they're willing to take holidays and to devote themselves to it. So, for example, in your wife's life, is this really important to her? Absolutely. Especially the the crucial takeaway from this religion, uh, from the religion in Taiwan, is the focus on ancestor worship. That is front and central. Very important religious practice, which unfortunately is slowly in decline as the next generation finds its practices cumbersome and unwieldy to manage. And it's very complicated, very, you know, it focuses on dates, uh, geomancy, the positioning of objects in order to uh, procure luck and so forth. It's, it's a very cumbersome religion, but it's a very important one. Ancestors are worshipped, and, and uh, in particular, the, the grandparents. Uh, their ashes are, uh, are kept in the home and... Um, uh, failure to, to, to devote your time and, and worship to the, to the ancestors, in particular the grandparents, can result in um, them turning into uh, ghosts. And these ghosts can haunt, haunt you in, in the afterlife or, or haunt you uh, on earth. So during your six trips to Taiwan, yeah. I want to know about what you saw. Have you traveled all around the island? And overall, what, what has your experience been like? It's a lovely place. Despite the devotion and, and, the, and, the, and the sense of worship, uh, Taiwan is a very fun place. There's so many things to do, uh, so many places to see, a lot of restaurants to eat from. Uh, they boast something like 200 vegetarian restaurants alone in Taipei, the capital 
I love the night market. Their night markets are, are fascinating. They remind me of going to the X over here. Now, you brought a photo. It looks as though this is taking place at night, and it's a beautifully illuminated temple. What is this building? Um, so this is a uh, beautiful building, one of, one of many in Taiwan. I mean, some are, are public and, and, and legitimate. A lot of them are not, um, but uh, there's nothing that uh, people can do anything about some of these uh, the, these temples that are, are are not legit. What would it? What would an illegitimate? What is? Are they? <laughs> is it like a con operation? Um, it's not necessarily. It can be. It can be used as a front. It, basically, um, my wife tells me there's two ways to make money in Taiwan. Uh, one is to run a temple, and the other one is to, to be a politician. That's a, that, that, those are two ways to, to make uh, a fast money, a fast buck in Taiwan. Like superstitions abound in Taiwan, and some of these people take advantage of people that are, that are very superstitious gotcha. and, and so forth. T- temples in Taiwan are either nonprofit or private. Private temples are a huge business, and, and local governments are slow to crack down and tear down these these private temples for fear of retribution from bad luck or curses wow. or lack of votes affecting election outcomes. Yeah, Religion can take the form of, uh, of corruption as well in, in, in any society. Mm-hmm. Coming from a Canadian background in Toronto, this must be a, a real jump for you to go to Taiwan and see these practices of Taoism. Oh, absolutely. Uh, there's nothing like it here. You know, um, I'm, I'm a Roman Catholic, and uh, that in itself is a very colorful religion. We have so many saints that we uh, we pray to, and there's, a, and there's a patron saint for this and a patron saint for that. Like, we, we may find it a little bit funny that uh, a replica of a car is being burnt after someone passes away. Not only that, a large, I'm going to describe the photo. This is <laughs> an enormous, um, maybe cardboard and paper uh, replica of a car that's being heaved into a flaming furnace by two devoted believers, I suppose. That's right, yeah. Why are they <laughs> interested uh, in doing this? Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, my wife's mom passed away. So one of the things that the family decided to do uh, in keeping with their religious practices is to uh, burn a replica house. And I asked her, well, what's going on here? And she was said, it this size as well? Oh, yes, it was, a, it was almost the size of this room. Wow. Did they make it or did they no, buy no, it? No, actually, uh, they're sold in stores. Okay. There's actually stores and places that you can go to to, to, to buy one. I mean, it's like shopping. You go, you go online even and shop around for it. Say, hmm. yeah, that's the one we want for mom to, to make sure she has a home in the afterlife. Okay. Right or or for instance in this picture they're burning a car that they want to make sure that she has 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 a as a car has some tra- form of transportation in the afterlife. I'm a religious person to begin with. Religion fascinates me, especially the religion of my wife Taoism. She's from Taiwan and I've been there with her six times. To get to know the religion of my, my wife's country of origin helps me make better informed decisions with regard to how I behave around her and her family. Yeah. There's so many rules that informs their etiquette, their behavior, their their way of looking at things. Uh, very superstitious people, yeah. which is not to say that's a bad thing or, or anything like that. I'm not passing judgment. Sure. What's a way that superstition would manifest in your wife's daily life? Well, the highest form of, su- of, of, of superstition, if you can call it superstition, is geomancy. It's the positioning of furniture in an apartment or in, a, or in any dwelling to increase fortune and to decrease misfortune. Okay, I'll give you an example. I used to live at uh, Young and Wellesley in, an, in, a, in a condo that when you walked in, it was only 800 square feet. You walked in, you saw everything at once. Now there's a window at the end of the, at the, end of, the, uh, of the apartment with, um, with a slide door. 
And I was told that unless you put something in between the door you enter from and that slide door, you will lose lots of money. If there isn't any form of obstruction to keep the chi in, to retain as much chi or energy as possible, you run the risk of losing money or success. Yeah. When you first traveled to Taiwan, you noticed a lot of these these etiquette pieces and these rules. Was there anything that took you aback or that you had to get used to? We have a tendency to Westerners, whenever we're sitting still, we move our we, we cross our legs, mm. for instance, and we might move our, our foot up and down. Mm. Don't do that. <laughs> it's like shaking the chi out of you or something. Anyway, it's, it's considered rude and, pol- and impolite. So don't do that. And I'm like, and my, I, I would get slapped for it. Hmm. My wife would slap me on the on the lap and say, "Don't, don't shake your leg." Okay. Another one is uh, we Westerners, uh, especially in the last I'd say ten years, uh, men are more affectionate than they ever than than my my generation. I'm 60 years old, and hmm. um, we hug we hug each other. Hey, how you doing? Uh, you know, a, a friend, a dear friend of ours. There's no hugging. Over there, Bet- uh, between men or between genders, b- 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 both. Okay. There, there's there's Period. very little there's little very little physical affection. Friends hugging each other is not something that's commonly done over there as as much as as it is here. Yeah, yeah. Well, to wrap up with you, Ross, <laughs> we've talked a lot about Taiwan. Do you have any plans to go back? I do. I do. I want to explore how the Taiwanese welcome. Uh, Catholicism into their country. I mean, only 2% of the population is Catholic, but I like to see their take on Catholicism. That's that's my goal when I go there next time. All right. Well, when you do go, I hope you send some more photos back. And thank you very much for coming out of Tracks from Abroad today, telling us about Taoism in Taiwan. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it and good luck with everything. You are listening to Tracks from Abroad on CIUT 89.5 FM. My name is Jesse McDougall, and today's show has been all about Taiwan. If you follow our show, uh, you know that we visit a different country every single week, learning about the cultures and the music outside of Canada. And today's uh, on today's show, we had two interviewees. We first spoke with Simon, who is a student at the University of Toronto. He talked to us about the festivals, the food, and uh, the complicated political situation of the place where he grew up in Taiwan. And just now we spoke with Ross, who told us about Taoism in Taiwan. I was very happy that Ross reached out to me as a listener wanting to come on the show. Anybody, again, is welcome to come on. Uh, You can send me an email at tracksfromabroad at ciut.fm. Not to mention, very soon I'm going to have a group of volunteers come together to help me run this show. You're going to hear a new voice, no longer my own, talking on tracks from abroad. A lot of new things to come as well. Right, so keep in mind the Harbor Front Center is having Taiwan Fest from August 25th until the 27th. And speaking of Toronto's music scene, we are now going to play a song by Taiwanese-Canadian China Lewis right here on Tracks from Abroad. We have two songs coming up from her, and we are going to say goodbye. Thank you very much for listening to our show today. My name is Jesse McDougall. We'll see you next week, Mondays at 6 p.m. on CIUT or anytime online. Don't know when it started Feels like something has changed We just don't fit the shame When did we stop talking? Now we're so far apart And it's breaking my heart What 